Hi and welcome to a new episode of the Terragnostic Talks podcast, a podcast for healthcare professionals interested in the latest innovation within Terragnostic. Sunday morning, new topic, and today we will take the temperature of prostate imaging and PSMA. It has been a thing for about 10 years now. Today we will try to find out where we are now with PSMA and how the PSMA as a concept can develop further. My name is Gustav Wider and together with me in the studio I have three new experts for the day. Professor Helle Damgal-Sakko from Denmark, Dr. Daniela Operalage from Amsterdam in the Netherlands and Simona Malaspina from Turku Pet Center in Finland. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. As a nuclear medicine community, we know that PSMA PET is very accurate uh, and it's used, but it's still not fully adopted in guidelines. And I think the urology community demands data that shows that PSMA PET is an advantage for the patients. Daniela, why? Or what, what are the things? Thank you so much. Uh, as I uh, will also later on present, I think uh, we have gained a place in the guidelines for the diagnosis of prostate cancer. That's definitely so. But we missed uh, the information on the survival benefit of the patients. And this is the reason why it cannot be fully implemented right now. And not fully implemented right now, especially for the teranostics part, for the therapy part, because we simply don't have the data right now. We have to be a little bit patient, and then the results of the beautiful studies will come, and I'm sure we'll also get a place in the guidelines also for the therapeutic part. So it's just a question of time. This is my opinion. Is there data that are, you know, are the trials performed right now or, or should, should, do we need to start something? There are uh, for sure uh, trials that were performed. We had the vision trial uh, which helped us to get PSMA uh, in the diagnostic for the castration resistant prostate cancer. But there are a lot of other trials on uh, hormone sensitive prostate cancer, also investigating the role of lutetium PSMA or actinium PSMA in this setting. And I hope that results will also come and will help us. And besides, we need to follow up these patients to see something more and to hear something more about the survival uh, of the patient. Because this is a critical point from the urologist, from the um, medical oncologist. Where is the data showing us that with your PSMA, our patients live longer? And I really don't have this answer right now. You, do you have an answer to this question? or No, because we don't have the follow-up using the PSMA pits. We only know that treating with the radioligand is life-prolonging, but uh, we don't know how to make a follow-up in terms of nuclear imaging in these patients. Both in the vision trial in, and in the therapy trial, it was bone scintigraphy that was used for follow-up. So, uh, so we are awaiting data telling us that perhaps PSMA PET would be a better way of uh, making a follow-up in these patients. But I'm very happy. I think the nuclear medicine community has some, uh, some tremendous uh, progress in this field, including PSMA. Uh, we are really uh, 
equal partners with our clinical partners when it comes to imaging. There is no multidisciplinary team discussion where our presence as a nuclear medicine physician is not highly appreciated. We are really needed there to, to tell our clinicians and to discuss with our clinicians what to do with your and with our patients. What is the next step? So it, it starts with communication, with identifying the gaps from the clinical practice, discussing this with our colleagues from, from uh, clinics, from urology, from oncology, and then making together plans for our patients. And of course, follow up this patient. I have the privilege to, to give some uh, lutetium PSMA for um, clinical studies. And I have to say the quality of life, what I hear from my patients that I'm um, happy to treat, it's, it's incredible when you see they, they have for one or two weeks some dry mouth and that's the only thing, the only complaint they have. It's incredible when you compare with uh, chemotherapy or with other therapies that are given in this uh, domain. So I'm really optimistic and I think once we'll have the follow-up data, once we learn more from our patients and we communicate more with our clinicians, We'll, uh, we'll have something to, to tell to the world. For sure. Uh, Halle, on Tuesday you will give a talk uh, with a topic, Personalized Medicine, Every Man His Own PSMA. Yes, and that's at the plenary session called uh, Superfluous and Luxury Issues. And actually I was a bit surprised that PSMA was in a session with the uh, luxury issues because I don't think it's a luxury. And when we see our patients, it's, it's definitely not a luxury that we are offering them. That should be standard of care, in my opinion, to provide a PSMA pet. But I guess the luxury issue is perhaps the very high number of different uh, ligands uh, available. And it's, uh, there are perhaps 40 plus different ligands published right now. Some of them or most of them only uh, in use in one center. Many of them have not made it into man yet. So there's a lot of work going on in developing new ligands. And yet we still need the evidence of showing that PSMA PET improves quality of life or overall survival when we use it. So perhaps we should focus uh, on that point just as much as developing new uh, ligands. Do we making a hard time for the urologist? <laughs> Do we have too many tracers? Or, you know, exactly. We have too many PSMA tracers. Yeah. Could that be? Because it's, it's a little bit difference between them. And I, we have I know, paper yeah. on that. And, and of course, it, it makes sense to make a slight modification of the PSMA tracer in order to have less urinary excretion or being able to uh, use fluoride labeling instead of gallium. So there are some advantages that can be explored, but at the end of the day, all of the trials we have have employed a gallium-labeled PSMA-11. So, um, so there's a lot of work to be done. I'm not saying we should stop exploring new traces. I just think we should focus as a community a bit more on what's in it for the patient. Yeah. And what, what, what do we need to do? Simona, you are, you are a researcher, maybe you, can, maybe you have the answer. Yeah, well, about this use of different PSMA ligands, I, I think that uh, the radio, radio hybrid PSMA tracers could be a good potential in, uh, in Theranostic. So now we still we lack some 
data. We are waiting for larger studies and results to come, but I think that uh, a molecule that could be labeled both with diagnostic isotope and therapeutic isotope could actually help then the uh, interpretation of the PET scans and also to understand better how efficient the therapy could, could be. So I, I think this could be a one yeah. tracer to Let's see what's for the future. But Daniela, could that be actually a problem when you're working with guidelines? We have too many tracers. We have, or is it a risk that we are at nuclear medicine? We will be like a restaurant with a menu of PSMA tracer for different part of the the disease uh, for, for prostate cancer. I think uh, I have to to make a step back yeah. and to tell indeed that I agree. Uh, the use of PSMA is not a luxury. It's actually a necessity, but I learned during my uh, sessions uh, within the EAU guidelines that in so many countries, it's simply not available. And I was uh, in the beginning very surprised to see that we still make recommendations for the use of choline PET and for the use of some, in my opinion, right now, inferior tracers, uh, which I really loved in the, in the past. But it's actually the fact that not all the countries have access to these PSMA tracers for different reasons, for prices, for availability, for not being able to produce, and some other uh, reasons I cannot uh, foresee. So this is something that we don't have to underestimate. Uh, when I make guidelines, of course, I cannot uh, judge from the privileged position of being in a well uh, living country like Netherlands or like some other countries. There are simply places where you don't have uh, access, of course. And of course, the presence of so many ligands is also a problematic one. Um, once I hope that we'll find one, the best one, and then we'll go on, no, it's impossible. I, I really know we'll go with, with so many tracers also in the future. But I think it's important indeed to to look for, for the data, what's in for patients, and this is what, uh, what will make the difference for the future. Yeah, very important, what is in for the patients. Uh, Holly, you talked about uh, joining our forces. Yeah. yeah. How can we do that? That is by conducting multi-center trials, yeah. that, because there are differences between countries but but if we get together it should be possible I know it's hard work yeah. to get prospective trials going with many sites and several countries but but uh, I think it would be worth it can we do we, that you know uh, we don't we don't have anyone from, from Australia but they have very successful exactly and multi-center trials yeah and they've done it over and over and over again yeah. and they deliver very solid data so, so I think, uh, and we are happy and very pleased to look at their data and use them. Uh, but, but I think we would be able to do so across Europe as well. Yeah. I'm also very optimistic that we'll be able in the future to collaborate, to internationally collaborate with our colleagues. I have a lot of admirations for uh, our colleagues from Australia, but also from some other uh, countries, um, giving us the answers to important questions. Um, I think the only thing we really need to overcome are the legal issues. Because sometimes, even if everybody wants to collaborate with other countries, with intercontinental uh, partners, the legal issues are always a difficulty, a barrier 
between us and our colleagues. So if we can overcome this, then probably in the future we'll, uh, we'll have something. Yeah, maybe something for the EANMS organization to build yeah. on. Um, but even from next year, then we have the, this new uh, EU uh, regulation where if I wanted to start a PSMA trial, I have to uh, apply the same place where you have so I can start a trial in Denmark and then it can move on to include other EU countries. We don't have to apply at the exact same time. So there's one application or main application and then it returns back to every country that wants to participate. So perhaps it will be slightly easier. There'll still be a lot of paperwork to be done, <laughs> but, but it seems to be a bit easier. But then you still have the legal part to data exchange, etc. Exactly. That, that seems fantastic for me, but um, we're talking about the doing trials. Can, can we learn something from oncology? or urology, because they are demanding data. I don't know, can, you know, can we learn something from them when we conducting our trials? There is for sure um, a lot to learn from our uh, clinical partners. I think we really need to collaborate. And um, it is important that a nuclear medicine physician is from the beginning uh, involved in design of new uh, randomized clinical trials. It's important that we will uh, participate and conduct together with our clinical partners these prospective uh, trials because then we can combine our knowledge with their expertise and then we'll, we can uh, be successful in what we do. The most important thing, in my opinion, is to learn from the patients and to identify the gaps that we have from clinical uh, practice. Because this is the way uh, you can design new prospective clinical trials. Why is this important? Because nobody knows, because the literature, uh, it doesn't help us with, a question, with an answer on this question. So this is what we have to do. Uh, and it did, who knows, in the future we'll, we'll have combination specializations. I mean, uh, urologists will learn more about radioligand therapy and medical oncologists who will uh, tell us more and will collaborate with us for Terranostics. So, yeah, we, we talked in a very first podcast with Rodney Hicks. He actually defined Terranosticians. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Maybe that will that's be, a new, uh, yeah. maybe that's a new specialty. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you agree on what, what Diana yeah, says? Yeah, I think so, because at the end of the day, we are here for the patient. Yeah, we might important. find it very interesting on the way, what we do, but it is at the benefit of the patient that we are here. So either survival or quality of life or less side effects, because we know that's what we get from this uh, radiolicant therapy. So, uh, but, but it is hard sometimes to show that an upfront PSMA PET CT, a primary staging, will affect overall survival in the long run. That is almost a mission yeah. Im impossible. impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Simona, you are here to talk about the future of PSMA because PSMA is maybe not that prostate specific. Please explain. Unfortunately not. I think that nuclear medicine community has learned during the last few years that contrary to what the name suggests, prostate PSMA is not prostate specific. Probably Daniela Onhel will agree with me that while reporting PSMA scans for prostate cancer patients, it's not uncommon to find uh, PSMA positive lesions that are not related to, to prostate cancer. But I think that while this uh, might 
via limitation of PSMA PET in prostate cancer imaging and uh, we should be aware and I think we are already aware of the potential pitfalls. On the other hand, we could turn this limitation into a new opportunity for non-prostatic uh, tumors and particularly for the theranostic applications. And uh, of course we need still uh, more data, <laughs> once again, the uh, current literature is still pretty limited and come from mainly from case reports, but however we have few prospective very interesting studies that have assessed the role of PSMA uptake in uh, some uh, non-prostatic tumors. I gave us some examples. What yes. are the most? Uh, well, I would say, yeah, first of all, I would say that the uh, highly vascularized tumors are those that have shown the highest PSMA uptake. This is because the expression of PSMA in those tumors is different from the one that we see in uh, prostate cancer cells. So it's not in the membrane, but it's instead in the endothelium, in the tumor-associated neovasculature. So that's why highly vascularized tumors such as renal cell carcinoma, for example, clear cell renal cell carcinoma, or um, glioblastoma, so high-grade gliomas of the brain, or um, thyroid cancer as well, have demonstrated I would say promising results, at least the high PSMA uptake, which of course still we have to see if this can be turned into a good uh, radio ligand treatment then with the tissue PSMA. Yeah. Maybe it's part of the future. Do you, you have anything to add, Danielle or Hala? Oh, I am very happy with, uh, with these uh, new trials uh, because then we will discover new indications for the yeah. use of PSMA. And once you identify new indications for the diagnosis of some other cancer, then probably in the future we can also extrapolate the use of our therapies based on lutetium PSMA or actinium PSMA, alpha-beta particles um, in this patient. And this will be great. Actually, I'm very... Um, happy and I hope that in the future also the patients with glioblastoma will be in this manner help because uh, we just uh, hear yesterday during the plenary session that it's, uh, it's our desire as a community not to have only uh, patients dying from this but helping our clinicians to, to become this glioblastoma to become a chronic disease. It will be great to have a chronic disease just because we are able to give a treatment, an adequate treatment to this patient. So I really hope that we'll uh, be able to do this. Yes, I, I agree. I think that many tumors that right now are uh, treatment options are really limited. And so in, in, for example, recurrent glioblastoma is one of them. So if we can find uh, a new treatment, this could really be, I think, very fantastic in that sense. But also for diagnostic purposes, yes. for example, as you mentioned, yes. renal cell carcinoma, we don't have exactly. any good imaging modality. Exactly, really. exactly. Tumors that are usually FDG negative, yeah. and uh, as renal cell carcinoma, hepatocellular carcinoma is another yeah. one. And, uh, and, in, in, yeah, and in those tumors, PSMA could have a role in the yeah, diagnostic also. Sunday morning, almost four days left of the Congress, and you, uh, Hallen uh, and Simona, you arrived late uh, last night. Uh, what do you look forward the most for you for the Congress? So Starting with Simona. Uh, well, definitely, I. It's it's so nice to be finally uh, to see my colleagues in person. This is 
probably yeah the, the first time after covid that we can be all gathered here and uh, it's really a very nice to to be able to to talk to people and to share our uh, results and science and i i'm i'm really hopefully that we have we'll have a great congress yeah i talked to stefano fanti yesterday and he told me that was 7000 plus people yeah. at the congress and i think that's a record yeah yeah you should not underestimate the social part of such a gathering exactly here exactly how important it is to make a new colleagues and corporations and just gain from other people's experience mm. so but it personally i'm looking forward to psma in the plenary session yeah. in a few hours <laughs> yes and then if fappy is uh, yeah. on my list as well so i've found quite a few uh, talks that i'd like to attend for the fappy pet city and that's on my list too so it will be a yeah, podcast too. tomorrow on fappy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that uh, daniela i have the same interest i want to learn more about the new kids on the block and of course fappy is one of them the therapies with lutetium are also very important for me but i also want to learn something more about the new um, tracers in the immuno-oncology, which is also yeah. a very new and interesting uh, yeah. domain, really a hot topic. Uh, everybody is interested. We know that immunotherapy has also booked an enormous progress in the last yeah. year. So I'm really, really uh, happy to hear some more news in this domain. Yeah, that's yes. super. And of course, um, we were waiting three years to see our colleagues and to hug each other, even yeah. in non-COVID uh, periods. So uh, I think making new friends, seeing old friends, it's the most important thing. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining the podcast. Nice to have you in our studio here in the foyer. Uh, tomorrow we are back with a new episode. And as we said, the topic for tomorrow will be FAPI. And I have invited us actually four new experts tomorrow to deep dive into this topic. If you want to reach out to us, please send us an email, podcast at sunordic.se or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you are at the Congress, step by and say hi. Stay tuned, stay safe, bye-bye.